San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, The Saturday Morning Hangover. Welcome into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250. And of course, we are online at sasportstar.com. Anywhere you want to look for us, we got you covered. We're here to make your Saturday weekend great. Join me, as always, my man Jack Thompson, and of course, Katie Goodman back in studio this morning. What's, What's happening, guys? Not a lot. <laughs> well, I know not a lot for you. You worked last night, so wasn't a great, great weekend. No, nah, but <laughs> I'm not off... start to a weekend. Yeah, I'm off the next two days, so we're good. All right, I've just got to start the show by doing a welfare check. Jack? Yeah. How are you? It's been a rough start to the football season for me. <laughs> To say the least. For those that are wondering, Jack is not only an Aggie fan, he is also a Dallas Cowboy fan. Oof. So, not the greatest week last week in terms of uh, start to a football season. And in college football, yeah, losses kind of deflate you more than in the NFL. The thing but is, in the NFL, he had about as deflating a loss as you can have yeah. when you lose your starting quarterback. I feel like you know better with the Dallas Cowboys. The though. thing is, I kind of <laughs> am used to this on both accounts. I mean, certainly over the past two seasons, the Aggies have you know they've been good. We but them you up. had really high hopes. Yeah, for sure. no, for sure, for sure. Good news. Good news, though. Yeah. You have a chance to turn things around yeah, here over the next couple of weeks. It's a fresh start to the season with Max Johnson coming in to start. That's the big news. Our Max next- Johnson taking over at starting quarterback. And I just want to get your thoughts on the Haynes King era. Because Haynes King, at least from what I saw, and I watched every single one of his games. Same. There aren't a lot to go it's through. It's only four. But <laughs> I didn't like what I saw last year in the opener against Northwestern State. I didn't like what I saw in the brief time he was in Colorado before injuring his ankle. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the opener this year against Sam Houston State. And obviously what we saw against App State was not ideal. Yeah. No, I mean, we've talked about it too. It's Hayes has never had a, you know, a great game where you're like, okay, this he could be the guy. Even He's against lesser opponents. Always opponent. squeaked by and um yeah, I'm I'm ready for I'm ready to see what Max has. I mean, he, this is a guy that he beat us last year when we went into LSU, so I think it'll revamp the the team. He's more of a pocket presence, mm-hmm. more of a read, goes through his uh routes really well. Yeah. And he's he'll a get progression the, quarterback. Yeah, so I think the dynamic of our team is a lot different than it was last year where we could just, you know, hand the ball off to Spiller, and he'll go get us five, six yards a carry and then mm-hmm. eventually bust one loose for a touchdown. We don't have the same offensive line as we did last year. We're missing Kenyon Green, and uh, I, we're just super young. So I think getting the ball out quick to now we have an elite receiving group instead of an elite backfield. So I mm-hmm. think changing the dynamic of the team will, will really help out. 
and you have a chance. I know that it's tough to lose to App State and drop from six to twenty fourth in the polls. But you got yeah. a chance to make up ground over the next three weeks. You yeah. get thirteenth ranked Miami coming to town tonight. Mm-hmm. In College Station, so it's a home game for Max Johnson, so he doesn't have to deal with crowd noise and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the 12th, 12th man behind you. Like It's going to be an issue for Miami, hopefully. Uh, I know there's going to be about 105,000 oh, strong yeah. at that game. Kyle Field's going to be rocking. You've got a chance to make some headway, beat a ranked opponent in prime time, kind of reassert yourself with a new quarterback. And then the next two weeks after that, also more ranked opponents, more highly ranked opponents to be able to crawl back from this loss at State Mm -hmm. because it is so early in the season. And in college football, what do we always say? If you're going to lose... Lose early. Yeah, I mean, we go Miami, Arkansas, we're off. We go Bama, and then we have South Carolina. So that's four boom, boom, boom. tough, tough games. And like we said earlier, I mean, when we were talking about Hayes King, dude's never beaten an SEC team. He's never even played an SEC team. I don't know if I want him to. Exactly. So <laughs> we're moving into a guy, Max Johnson, who has a year under his belt in the SEC, beat some good SEC teams, including the Aggies. Mm-hmm. So I have I have faith in Max to uh, get us, I would say, hopefully 3-1 and one at the worst out of this four-week stretch. And here's the thing. As the Aggies, with the amount of talent y'all have, you shouldn't be losing if you score 17, or if you only give up 17 points. Yeah, defense. exactly, yeah. Especially against a team that scored 40 in the fourth quarter the week before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, you a, hold them to 17. It's also that a team, should be a win for that for the Aggies. No, I agree, but this is also a team that gave up 60. They didn't only score 60, they gave up 60, yes. and we could only score seven points on offense. One was defense. Defense got us one of those touchdowns. I so know. It was only seven this points defense scored. defense is special teams, right? Mm-hmm. Our defense... Because A-Chain had a, a, a kickoff return, yeah. a punt return, right? Mm-hmm. Our uh, defense is stout. We couldn't get them off the field, but we held them from scoring. They yes. just... Had the ball for so long, we never, you know, got our opportunities. But we held I, a team that scored sixty-three to seventeen. I think the final tally was like forty to forty minutes of or thirty-eight no, we, minutes time of possession to seventeen. Yeah, it was. It was one, insane. Yeah, they had the ball three times as much as we did. I mean, in terms of like soccer parlors, that is just dominating possession. Like, that is just limiting your opponent's chances to even retaliate to anything, and especially when the offense is going three and out a lot. So you're you're not getting any consistency offensively because, A, your defense is just on the field forever, and while you aren't giving up points, you're not allowing your offense to get into any sort of rhythm. Mm Mm-hmm. I look at this week as a big statement for Texas A&M. Yeah. You have a chance to make a statement after what was not a horrible game, but it, it offensively it was horrible. Yeah. Offensively it was putrid, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, it was could it, it like barely could have been worse. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, it was terrible. 
on the other side of things, the Texas Longhorns probably had about as good of a loss as you can have. Mm-hmm. When we yeah, talk I about mean, moral victories. You had a loss that jumped you ahead of us in the, in the top 25. It's amazing, so, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but you play number one Alabama, and oh my God. If, if Alabama would have lost on a kick by a kicker named Auburn, if Bama would have lost because of a kicker named Auburn, it kind of would have been poetic justice, right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> But War Eagle. once once uh, Bryce Young got the ball back with like a minute 20, yeah, I was, was like... It was too much time. It I, was too much time. I was hanging out with a bunch of UT fans, and I was like, this is all great that you took the lead, I but felt so you bad. gave the Heisman winner too much time to get down the field. And then he did what you would expect a Heisman winner to do. Even yeah. though he hadn't had a great game, the Horns had the perfect blitz mm-hmm. called. Watts coming off the corner catches them totally off guard. And he just makes an incredible play to somehow not have his knee go down, mm-hmm. avoid the sack, yep. and then run for like 25 yards, setting them up perfectly. Yeah. But also, like, special shout out to their special teams for just keeping them on the board for a while. I mean, like, at the end there, it was just all field goals. Yeah. And it is it is what it is. I mean, Auburn misses a kick from like the three yard line right before the half which also could have changed the the momentum of that game. So it's they also oh. had a touchdown called back. They had a touchdown called back. They lost one of their starting quarterbacks and by the way, Quinn Ewers looked really good. He did. And I that lo- injury hurt. Yeah. I love that uh y'all have two receivers that are Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington. Well, I was going to say Xavier Worthy for sure, but um Sanders, that tight end. Yes. Ooh. Zero. Yeah, he he's a problem. That he's is a, going to be a problem. He's six foot four. And he is fast. He is fast. And they use him all over the field. They yeah. split him up in the backfield. They split him out wide. They put him in the slot. He's kind of a, he's a, a jack of all trades. He's a problem. And then Worthy is he's literally Hollywood Brown. Like that is a burner. It is a Wide open. He's a burner. Wide open. The thing, y'all exposed Alabama as being eminently beatable. Very beatable. Yes. I looked at that team. They have no receivers. They don't really have anyone besides Jameer Gibbs and Bryce. Mm-hmm. So, and even Gibbs got shut down at, except for the one run. Mm-hmm. Like he had that 95-yard uh, scamper, yeah. and that was it. So, yeah, that's an eminently beatable team for sure. They're... This is probably the worst receiving core I've ever seen Alabama have. They don't have I couldn't tell you one receiver on their team. I think And that's usually wide receiver you. I think they're going to get better as the yeah, season no. progresses because their receiving core is very young. It is a bunch of freshmen. But they they always have I mean you can get better, but usually they have the guy that, you know, you can't cover him cuz he's too mm-hmm. fast. They don't have anyone like that. They don't have a Jameson Williams they don't have a meet, uh, Mechie. Like, both of those guys were, even as freshmen, extremely, pro- mm-hmm. like, those guys were problems. So they don't have any guys out there that really scare you. And I believe if Hudson Card is healthy at the end of that game, they also beat Alabama because Hudson Card was limping around oh, yeah. for most of that game. I'm guessing he's dealing with a high ankle sprain. They still haven't quite said what he's dealing with, but he was in a boot. I imagine it's a high ankle sprain, the way he was limping around the field. 
I mean, he had a touchdown pass that he missed to Xavier Worthy because he couldn't push the ball to the outside hash of the field. Mm -hmm. He left it short and inside, and it just fell incomplete. But Worthy had his guy by like three steps. No. So I don't know what they're even going to do against UTSA quarterback this week. Just wildcat. And this is a huge, huge game because UTSA is playing so well. Mm -hmm. They should have beat Houston in week one. Yeah, they should be 2-0 and and ranked like between 15 and 20. And now you're going into Austin against a very banged-up team. Bijan Robinson hadn't practiced this week Mm -hmm. because of a shoulder injury. Like, the Horns are limping into this game against <laughs> UTSA. Literally limping into yep. this game. Welcome to the SEC. <laughs> there is a yep. good chance that they could be starting either Charles Wright. Yeah. That, who? Yeah. I don't know. Or Malik Murphy. Malik Murphy's highly touted recruit out of California. Like, he, Well, then start him. <laughs> I, I would because he gives a, a, an element in the yeah. one game as well. But... You're playing against a very, very feisty oh, I and hope them good Roadrunners win. UTSA game. <laughs> oh, man. I hope them Roadrunners win. Definitely going to test their depth, no if doubt. If they do, though, if UTSA does pull off the upset because Texas feels like they're imminently beatable just because of injuries, mm-hmm. although depth is what separates a Texas from a UTSA right now, if UTSA is able to go into Austin against a ranked team that mm-hmm. just almost upset top rank Alabama. Yeah. What does that do for the program here at UTSA? It feels like that is one of those landmark victories, yeah. if oh, you yeah. can get it, that really turns the tide of a program. Like UTSA has been trending in an extremely positive direction, but this feels like one of those ones that can just kind of put you on the map. Oh, yeah. Nationally. Certainly. I mean,. It's already crazy to see UTSA, you know, on college game day. They're talking about them every week. But if they can get a, a win against UT, it's it's going to blow them up for sure. Well, this is going to be huge for recruiting. Well, last season they were also talking about how when UTSA was ranked and there was some, like, um, uh, image going around on social media where they were comparing them to Alabama. Like, look at it them now, though, like, if a team like UT can almost beat Alabama, now UTSA is going up against UT. Imagine UTSA beats UT. Then yes, actually, they are the kind of it kind of puts them in a in a similar. And that's field. the great thing about college football: transitive par- property. We always look at transitive property <laughs> when we talk about college football. Like, well, we beat them. Who beat them? So vis a vis, we should have beat that team. But here's the thing. I mean, we have to agree that Alabama had an off game as well. Like, it Absolutely. was not their best game. So, like, if you compare Alabama's best versus UT's best, which is what they were giving that game, it's it's just not the same. The thing, like, sure, you can say Alabama had an off game. I just don't think they're They didn't play anybody in week one. They're just not a spectacular team that they are, like, they usually are this year. Like, they usually have, like... We got. They usually have a first round running back in the draft, a mm-hmm. couple first round receivers. Like they got, they don't have anything like that this year. Their offense is very like you can stop that offense. Sure, the defense probably has the best player in college football and Will Anderson, a couple of other first rounders. But man, that offense it looks like one that can be stopped on the regular. I will say this though, 
they're going to be in every game because Bryce well, Young yeah. is as cool as a cucumber. Man, if he was he if, if it, he was six three, oh my god, no question, he's the number one pick, right? Yes, he just is a little. He's six foot, little, little one hundred and ninety pounds. Yeah, a little slide of frame, but. The dude. It's like me out there. You talk about an you talk about an ick factor though, like that you look for from your quarterback. Bryce has it because he doesn't have the weapons this week. They didn't play well. Texas defensively was kind of beating them up a little bit. Yeah, and yet he never lost his poise. No, he's extremely, extremely relaxed back there. Extremely confident. Believes in all of his reps for sure. And yeah, nothing nothing really rattles this guy for sure. It's going to be a very very interesting who's, who's college Bama football got season. this week. This week? Yeah. Alabama would be playing probably some slap. Probably. I mean, they're about to start SEC play, so um the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, so the team that Texas trounced in week 1. Gotcha. <laughs> you know who else has been doing pretty good though? Mississippi State. Oh, the Pirate. Yeah. Ags have them in like four weeks. Four weeks. Yeah. They got LSU today, so that might change things. No, I mean, LSU LSU is not good. Not as good as they were. Okay. So when I was going to school there, LSU was. Yes. LSU is usually a very good program, but Brian Kelly's taking over a bleep show, it feels Mm -hmm. like. And And I just. He's not facilitating getting any better. I don't believe. He's and not Brian the guy. Kelly. No, he's absolutely not the guy. It's like, just a, like an extreme, like cultural. Like he it just doesn't, doesn't belong work. in the SEC. It just right? Doesn't work. He yeah. doesn't feel like an SEC type. No, coach. no, he really just a huge disconnect. All right, out of the frying pan, <laughs> we're about to jump into the fryer because. Oh my god! Man. Week one of the NFL was a tough one for a lot of people including Jack Thompson, if you're a Cowboys fan. We're going to check the temperature of the Dallas Cowboy Nation and kind of see where we're at after week one. But Jerry and Steven tell us there is a chance to be optimistic. Of course we'll talk about it on the other side here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250, and SASportsStar.com. All you want is football. 20, 15, 10, and San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250, and of course, online at sasportstar.com. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at I am Pledger. He is at Jack underscore Thompson 33 still. Oh, I forgot did, about that. Did we get under? Did we get rid of the underscore? Yes, no. We have not yet. Okay. <laughs> and she is at I M Katie Goodman. <laughs> Taking a look at the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys did not have a great Week One of the season. Yeah, sure. You could say you could say <laughs> can that. Can I say they just didn't have a really good Week One? Is that a fair That's assessment? A very fair assessment. So. Yes. Not having a good week one, and by by that I mean they were the only team in the NFL not to score a touchdown. Dak Prescott did not look good in three-plus quarters of action. And to add insult to injury, Dak got 
injured, suffering a fracture on his throwing thumb, to which he had surgery, had a plate inserted, and was reportedly going to miss six to eight weeks of the season. But Jerry and Steven have since come out and said, including Steven yesterday, that they are relieved that Dak's injury is only of about a four-week variety. Mm-hmm. All right, first temperature check. We checked on your temperature with the Aggies, and things are looking up. Max Johnson taking over. Uh, still got a, a good schedule to get you back into things. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, you're not worried about rankings so much, so losses aren't as detrimental in college in the NFL as college football because everybody's going to lose at some point for the most part. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the NFC East is 1-0. I know, shocking. <laughs> Carson Wentz showed you the good and bad of Carson Wentz last week. Yeah. <laughs> the Eagles struggled to stop Detroit. Defensively, so there there are questions there as well, and the Giants. While while Saquon looks to be back, Saquon won the game. The (laughs) rest of the Giants' offense doesn't inspire confidence, right? (laughs) No. So you feel like you can kind of stay afloat in this division, yeah. yeah. Especially if Dak's only going to miss four weeks, like Stephen and Jerry seem to think, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So where is your where is your temperature? Because. I'm going to start with the good last week. There wasn't a lot of it, but there was good. The defense looked really good. Yeah. I feel really good about the defense. They played extremely well. Yeah. Only hiccup for the defense was uh, the run defense. Mm -hmm. We have a defensive line that is built up of more of, you know, switchable players, Mm -hmm. players that can play multiple positions on the line. We don't really have a lot of beef in the middle. Mm-hmm. We're more of you know the speed pass rush rather than plug the holes and just dominate between the gaps. But uh, yeah, I mean the defense are good. Trey played great. Had a lot of really good pass breakups. Uh, I mean teams are still targeting and targeting and targeting Anthony Brown, which will be the case forever, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But besides, you know, Anthony Brown and the run defense, yeah, the defense looked very good. I mean, we got a pick. We help none of the receivers had uh, huge games. Mm-hmm. They really just we made Tom Brady extremely frustrated. Mm-hmm. It was really just the Leonard Fournette show. He just kind of beat us down between the gaps, between the tackles all night, but um yeah, the defense looked good, and that's going to be what we have to lean on over these next four weeks. On the other side of things, the Cowboys' run game looked good. Zeke looked good. Yeah. He had 10 carries, 52 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. Like, they ran the ball well. Mm-hmm. They just didn't stick just with didn't it. Just didn't run it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Which makes no sense to me. No sense. Which calls into question... The Cowboys offense, and after the game, Bucks linebacker Devin White spoke to the Cowboys offense, mm-hmm. and it's the same old, same old. Yeah. Uh, last year we learned that they went, they really wasn't going to commit to the run game. 
and you know the runs that they did they was you know going to try to get outside and not run into the interior but most of the running game was quick game you know a lot of curls a lot of hitches you know a lot of slants and stuff so we kind of knew that going in so we was able to attack it and this is something we've heard since back when Jason Garrett had the team predictability mm-hmm. on offense right it's ridiculous and we're hearing a lot of the same thing and I, I think he misspoke when he said the run game was quick game curls slants I think he meant the pass game was a lot of quick game yeah which makes sense we've heard this about the passing game before it's very oversimplified there's not a a lot of misdirection or or complexity just to the passing game boring and predictable and giving up on uh, that's something you didn't have to worry about with Jason Garrett. He was going to make sure it was 50 50. No, we were going to run the ball. <laughs> yeah. But with Kellen Moore, there is the because Kellen Moore did learn from Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. He is a holdover from that coaching staff. And he, he was a quarterback under Jason Garrett. He was a quarterback's coach under Jason Garrett and became an offensive coordinator learning at the foot of Jason Garrett. And you're seeing at least the passing game concepts very Jason Garrett-esque without the commitment to the run game that Jason Garrett had. And the run game actually seemed to be something that was working against the Buccaneers. It was the only thing that was working. Yeah. Zeke getting 5.2 yards a carry and only getting 10 carries just blows my mind. Like That makes no sense whatsoever. All night, we could not pass the ball. Mm Mm-hmm. We could, no one could get separation, and if they did, we were dropping passes left and right. And yet Zeke is eating up yardage every time he touches the ball, and we just don't give it to him. I don't understand how that works. Now, i got a question for both of y'all, because we talked about Dak's injury to his thumb, having to have surgery, having a plate put on it, and the initial report was six to eight weeks, which is... A fair assessment for, you know, when you undergo surgery and have a plate mm-hmm. inserted. Mm-hmm. Jerry and Steven seemed to be, once they got in there, they found out it was going to be closer to the four-week variety, et cetera, et cetera. Mike Florio was on the wheelhouse in Houston on 97.5 and 92.5 and made a comparison to Dak's injury that should, I think, at least perk the ears of Cowboy fans at the least? I think the analysis for the Cowboys is pretty simple. At what percentage is a depleted Dak Prescott preferable to a 100% Cooper Rush? 65, 70, 75? I don't know, but it sure sounds like they're going to rush Dak back, and he's going to willingly rush himself back in the name of trying to right the ship. But I think back to Russell Wilson last year, who came back from his finger injury far sooner than he should have. Once Geno Smith started playing well and had a convincing win over the Jaguars, all of a sudden Wilson was back, and he wasn't the same the rest of the year. Dak is going to have a plate and a pin in his hand, and it's just going to take time for him to be 100% again, and he may never be 100% all year long, but again, him at some percentage under 100 is better than Cooper Rush. And you, you can say shame on the Cowboys for not having a veteran backup who can come in and play games and win. But they had that two years ago with Andy Dalton, and what did it do for them? They were That's Mike Florio on 97.5 and 92.5 ESPN Houston comparing Dak's injury to that of Russell Wilson and said, 
Russell Wilson came back too early, wasn't right again after he came back from the injury. I'm, certainly, I'm, you can draw that comparison. I heard um, <clears throat> Stefania Bell say that kind of the same thing, but their injuries are completely different. I mean, mm-hmm. Russ is, wasn't a thumb, and he had some ligament, you know, like damage. damage. Dak had a clean break, you know, below his thumb mm-hmm. where it connects to the wrist. And what she said was as soon as that plate and the pin are in, he's healed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to break. That thing is wired down shut, and from then on, it just becomes pain tolerance. And, I mean, Dak is obviously, you know, one of the toughest quarterbacks in the NFL. He's come overcome so much as a player on and off the field. But pain tolerance, when you're talking about pain tolerance, you're talking about his throwing hand, and with a quarterback, you're talking about grip strength with that. That's what I was just about to say. It's one thing if it's a knee or a femur that has a pin in it or even like a back that has a pin in it, right? Like like for him, the finesse is coming from his hand and it's so harder when you're in pain using the one part of your body that's responsible for the finesse. I mean, I say this just comparing it to my experience with mm-hmm. soccer. Like it's the same, like if someone's, foot goes out it's really hard to repair that or like even a knee because in soccer that's you have to it's all about angles and Mm -hmm. cutting and moving whereas in football it's you know throwing passing and and dependent on your position of course but I think for in this case I just I feel like four weeks is really fast to come back after a pin in your thumb but also I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to try to play doctor and you I know, mean, that's I, our job, though. We I play know. doctor on the radio. <laughs> right. Hi, I'm Dr. Goodman. Uh, no, but <laughs> but I think that I just – I want to hope the best for mm-hmm. him. I really do. And I understand the sentiment of coming in at 75% and still being the best quarterback at 75% on the team. Which he would. And, and having to push through that and show up. I completely understand just giving it a try at a bare minimum. But it wouldn't surprise me if he gets in there in the first game and, and doesn't get full minutes like you're, you're used to seeing or if they have to, like, slowly transition him back in. Like, I don't think he's just going to come back in four weeks and be like, boom, good to go, 100%. The problem is, too, the game that they've kind of circled that he could be back against on the shortened time period is Aaron Donald. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's when you're talking about pressure up the middle and banging your head on helmets. At least we got Zach Martin right there. that's, That's the least likely of a return game that you want to have, right? From everything, <clears throat> from everything I've read and heard, this injury shouldn't really affect his grip strength. Okay, though. yeah, it, it's it feels like the thump. Like when you're talking about a quarterback and you know throwing the football, mm-hmm. the thumb feels incredibly important no, in terms of grip strength and yeah. and throwing the football and putting the zip on it. Mm-hmm. Like it feels important, although. Man, the Cowboys are doing, or at least Jerry and Steven are doing a really good job of underselling this injury. I mean, I tr- I watch Fantasy Focus every day. Same. And I think Stefania Bell is... She's great. She's, at, I think, the best at, you know, injuries for ESPN. And when she says she thinks Dak's going to be all right, that it's just going to be about the pain tolerance, that it shouldn't affect the grip strength, it's just going to be about, you know, him pushing through mm-hmm. the pain. 
I gotta I gotta side with her because she tends to be you know right majority of the time. Sure. So I think Dak's gonna be all right. And the good thing is when he comes back, Mike Gallup will be at a hundred percent. Will be a few weeks out from having James Robinson. Mm-hmm. Jason Peters will be James in, Washington. Or yeah, James Washington. Jason Peters will be in the lineup. Hopefully. I think by four weeks, yeah. I hope <laughs> I to know, God but he's in the lineup. They're very bringing him along extremely slow, it feels. But my thing is it's the pain tolerance in his hand, and that's that's what he's using all the time. It's one thing to have like pain tolerance in your knee when you're a quarterback. That, that you can handle, or back pain. That you can work through. But it's in your hand, and, and it radiates. You and know? let's face it, when he's under center, which is a fair amount, under in the Cowboys offense, the center slams that ball into that hand. Like mm-hmm. it is it is a hard transition when you're under center. So maybe they negate that by putting him a shotgun a little bit more. But I look at at least Dak returning, and that's great news for the Cowboys in ter- terms of this division. But what we saw from Dak in week one also wasn't great. He was being booed. Before he got injured. Mm -hmm. He was that bad. This was one of Dak's worst performances of his entire career. No, by far. He played really bad. I mean, he was off target. Yeah. His, he's, he, I mean, what it really was, we missed Amari Cooper so much last night, last game, because Amari's the kind of guy that smooth. You cannot cover him with his route running. He gets himself wide open. And with CD just learning how to play that one, and that and was then, my question last uh, the last couple of weeks coming into the season: Can CD truly be a one without someone on the other side to take the pressure away from him? Uh, one week in, small sample size, it didn't go great. No, it went the complete opposite of great. <laughs> but I'm. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was, it was two for eleven with you know like twenty yards. Yeah, it was and some of that Dak was off target. But he dropped lot. some passes. He did though. drop some. He dropped some. Do you passes. think he was injured before he even had the clean break? Do you think he was no. playing through an injury and then it it just? I think broke. he was pressing too much. I think he was trying to come out, uh, you know, trying to shut everybody up, trying to prove that he can be a quarterback without you know the three star receivers on the outside and. When you got guys that, you know, are taking their first snaps in the NFL and no one's... Semi Fajoko, yeah, Dennis Houston. Yeah, and those are, <laughs> Dennis Houston was our number three. I mean, so it's just, it was a lot stacked against them. I think Dak was thinking and pressing and trying too much rather than just, you know, going out there and playing. One more question before we go to break. What do you make of Jalen Tolbert being a healthy and active in week one? with Dennis Houston actually making the roster. Do you take anything from that? No, not really. I mean... Because he was being extremely hyped up going into this season. Even right before the game, he was being hyped up. To only be a healthy scratch was at least eye-raising, if anything. It was interesting to see, but, you know, I'm not worried about it. I'm not sure even if he had played... A huge difference would have been made. Sure, sure. But so. I'm just talking about in terms of a third-round draft pick. Like, Michael Gallup came in as a third-rounder, immediate contribution, mm-hmm. and they were they were talking about this kid in a similar fashion coming out of training camp. I think throughout the season he will, you know, begin to uh, make good contributions, mm-hmm. and I think it'll start with this 
this upcoming week, I think we're going to play an extremely easy style of football for mm-hmm. Cooper Rush to co- try and excel at. You know, quick reads, quick possessions, uh, hand the ball off to Zeke a whole bunch, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. But, um, yeah, I, I don't really buy too much into him being a healthy scratch. Okay. I mean, we've, it's just one game, the rookie. I the think, good news is with Cooper Rush under center, maybe there will finally be a commitment to the run game to yeah. help take the pressure off of him. Mm-hmm. He is Jack Thompson. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. You're locked into the Saturday morning hangover. We're going to talk about how bad is it to get a tie not in soccer. That's coming up next right here on the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM and AM 12.50. This is Mike Greenberg, and you're home for the Dallas Cowboys. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 12.50. I'm being such a fatty in the break talking about all this food. <laughs> like I have all these cravings right now. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250. What is your... Because last weekend, after the show, I went to Vegas. And I had this incredibly decadent breakfast while I was there. Where the French toast looked like pieces of basically pound cake. (laughs) Like four big, huge pieces of pound cake. It was supposed to be four French toast, like, like diabetes on a plate. It was. Like. <laughs> it really was. It was. I I can only eat one of them. It was so rich. Gosh, like Vegas is the epitome of decadence. Oh my mm-hmm. Gosh, and all the buffets do not get me started. Oh, they had a breakfast buffet that was so good. <laughs> I will eat my body weight. It's it's I, only seven forty six. Okay, we got some time to go before we can eat. I ate my body weight and bacon at the breakfast buffet. <laughs> <laughs> but I am craving shredded hash browns. You know who this has morning. the best? My favorite breakfast in the world is Kirby Lane, and they are Where's now that? in San Antonio. Yes, where's but that? I don't know where they're at in San Antonio. I haven't been there uh, yet, but I go to the one in Austin. The one in San Antonio is they call it like South Rim. Okay, okay. it's like where Camp Sixteen Hundred Four yeah, and yeah. Kung Fu is. It's like right by Velvet Taco. Oh, okay, next to the Andretti's yeah. and Top Golf mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But yeah, Kirby Lane is is great. They have like vegan vegetarian options, which okay. is rare. Okay, don't care for about me. that. Yeah. And it's good. Well, no, I mean, they I'm have joking. all the normal ones. I'm joking, but I'm not. <laughs> no, it's, I hate you both. It's good. Curvy Lane is good. Great, great breakfast food. Quality food, whether you're vegan so or not. So, what about the vegan? They options? just have really good vegan food that doesn't taste like crap. Okay. Oh. You guys get okay, Jack. All right, so what? Get out of here. What is the difference between veganism and vegetarianism? Uh, vegan means no dairy, so no cheese or eggs. I have an egg allergy, so I can't eat eggs other than scrambled tofu eggs. So that's what I get. And then I also have a meat intolerance because I'm so cool. My genetics (laughs) rock, and so I can't eat breakfast sausage, even though I really want to. So I settle for the vegan vegetarian options. <laughs> That's tough. Uh, I, uh, I don't know what I'd do with my no. life if I couldn't eat meat. I'd cry every day. You'd think that, but when I it makes you it. feel like crap from eating it, and then you stop. It, I feel cool. good after. Yeah, I, I feel I so fish. good after I get protein in. <laughs> I eat fish, and I feel great after I eat sushi, so I'll give you that. I do love fish. Yeah, I'm not vegan. I'm pescatarian. I had a really good ahi tuna while I was in Vegas. 
It was a seared ahi. It was really good. Oh, my God. Vegas is, oh, the crab legs. Dude, that I didn't legs. get. I wish I would have now. Thanks for have, like, making me feel inadequate while I was in Vegas. We have to go back. <laughs> have to go back. I am not going there, there should be a three-day cap on Vegas. <laughs> there should be a three-day cap. I was there I Saturday to through Wednesday. I was there uh, five that's, days. That's the a fourth lot. day. I kind of started feeling it. Oof. <laughs> kind yeah. of. Lord. It, it took me a minute to get going that fourth day. Like usually, I can get up, just start going, like drinking immediately. Like it's, it. You know, I'm on vacation. I'm having fun. I'm gonna enjoy myself. Yeah. It took a hot minute to get going that fourth day, which was... Dude, the last time I went to Vegas, I, like, broke an escalator. It was a whole ordeal. It's just like... Ooh. It's just... Well, we're just going to leave that story. In no, I, I mean, you break an escalator. Well, it feels like that's a story worth telling. <laughs> it was my 21st birthday, okay? And going up this escalator, my brother-in-law's helping me up it, and then I shift, and he shifts, and then he pulls the whole rubber thing out, and the escalator jams, and all the lights go off, and so he football throws me over his shoulder, and football carries me up, and runs away, and we evade arrest, thankfully. I also have an escalator story. We were at the Luxor, and we had a bottle of champagne that we hadn't opened, and a bottle of wine, and we're trying to, like, slide down oh the escalator like on the on the rails what? And on the rubber yeah. rails and in the middle there's like this this gap oh, there's this the, gap yeah a gap the metal, yes. the metal, yeah. and we threw like the wine and champagne bottles down that like hey catch this and like kind of slid them down and they they get going because it's in an angle yes. <laughs> and it goes flying past the person trying to catch it like physics hits <laughs> the wall luckily nothing broke oh <laughs> They didn't break? Hold they up. Did Those were great bottles. They are Vegas-proof bottles. <laughs> they were Vegas-proof bottles because they knew dumbasses like us were coming down the bike. <laughs> yeah. All right, so when is a tie a good thing? In Never. soccer, Never. a tie is a good thing. Oh, yeah, it can be a good yeah, thing. It happens often, but in football... I it's like, how? The points are so weird. Games should never like, end on a tie. The Houston Texans led the Indianapolis Colts going into the fourth quarter at 22-3. Things looked great for Houston. Indy starts to get things going. Goggles misses a game-winning field goal in overtime. You get the ball near midfield. You move the ball to midfield. You On third and one, you hand it to Rex Burkhead for some reason. He loses two yards to bring up a fourth and three with 26 seconds remaining. The Colts have two timeouts left. They do not go for it on fourth down. Instead, they punt it away, allowing the game to officially end in a tie by making Indy basically just kneel on it to a lot get of, something out of it. A lot of bad clock management. Why would you not week at least one take of, a timeout? A lot of bad no clock sense. management in week one of the NFL. I don't have an issue with Lovey's decision to play for the tie, though. And uh, I'll explain why. Because this is a team that is trying to, A, learn how to win. So a loss isn't going to help that. Like, at least with the Giants, it's on the road. You're two yards away with the two-point conversion. You're kind of going for it. You've made a decision at that point. You also have Saquon. But at midfield... You just lost two yards. If you don't convert, they only have to go about 10 yards to get into field goal range, even though Goggles just missed one. You have two timeouts to move the ball about 10 to 15 yards with 26 seconds left. 
that feels like an easy way to lose that game, especially when things had started to unravel for the Texans at that point, right? And getting a tie at least helps to build the confidence of a very young, young Houston Texans team in terms of dealing with the agony of defeat. So I understand you're, you're tied for the division lead. The rest of the division lost that day. Yeah. 0-0-1, tied for the top of the AFC South. Killing it. <laughs> and, Better than us. And I feel like when like you lose your momentum in football, it's so, so hard to get it back. It really is. Like, yeah. And that's the main reason I didn't have an issue with Lovey Smith opting to take the tie at that point is because the momentum had shifted and the Texans did not have it at that point. So at that point, take what take what you can get, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm going for the win, but that's just me. <laughs> I Go hard or go home. As a fan, I don't have an issue with the tie just because I felt like if you would have gone for it, you would have lost and it would have... Or you it get, would have been demoralized. Or you get the first down. I, di- I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in the offense moving the ball at that point. They had gone into a shell. And well, you, but it was what fourth and three, fourth and three, and they had quick just shotgun lost. slant they to Brandon just Cooks. Lost two yards. Quick shotgun pass to Brandon Cooks. Easy, <laughs> easy. Jack Thompson, our offensive coordinator, Katie Goodman, and James Pledger. You're Dr. listening Goodman, to this. It's Doctor Goodman now. <laughs> Doctor Katie Goodman. I'm sorry. I'm James Pledger. You're locked into the Saturday morning hangover. Speaking of soccer, there was some soccer news this week, and we'll find out if it's good soccer news or not. To me, it wasn't the greatest. We'll discuss coming up next right here on the Saturday morning hangover. San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. San Antonio Sports Star on the go. Get the latest news, podcast, and more at sasportstar.com. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie yeah, yeah, Goodman. Yeah. We were talking about food last segment. You're going to New York next week, Jack. You're going to have oh, the epitome yeah. of a great food week. Oh, yeah. We're going to eat so much. Oh, my God. Can't wait. During the break, I'm going to look up that pizza place. Its claim is it's the first pizza place in America. And... Oh, my God. The pepperoni and ricotta cheese pizza there. Oh, that sounds amazing. <sighs> There's a pizza place in Brooklyn called Carmine's. Okay. That's the best pizza I've ever had. New York-style pizza just hits different. I feel like you can find a slice of pizza literally anywhere. Like, there's minimum, like, five spots per block. And, like, any time of day, you can be rushing off to work and shove your face with a slice of pizza. If like, we're talking favorite pizza... New York style is probably my favorite style of pizza. Easily. I love those huge slices. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just the way that it's made, there's something about it. It's the water. It is so delicious. It's the water. It's not even close. I I hear that, actually. The water they use in the The dough. The water they use in the dough. There's something about it. It just makes that that bread Mm -hmm. so irresistible. Yeah. Carmine's is like in Little Italy, Brooklyn. And it's like, it's one of the oldest pizza spots, and it's was like notorious for like mobsters to hang out at. 
and we walked in there and there were like four old Italian dudes and wife beaters <laughs> and chains. I was like, we're in the right spot. That's how you know it's good. This is going to be good. This is Italy. <laughs> and then we went every day after that. So That's awesome. All right. I teased it. Uh, U.S. soccer dropped their kits for the 2022 World Cup coming up in Qatar. And pull them up. I... They're disappointed. I am in. I am less than oh, enthused man. about these. It's like Basicville. It's like it's like Nike didn't have enough time to deal with soccer jerseys this year and just did the bare freaking minimum. Let me pull up these images for you. Tragic. Uh, I, I really think James said it best. Those are them. Those yeah. are them. The white ones are sick. I, I, the white one looks like that knockoff jersey that you get from yeah. Walmart. Oh, yeah, I think the white 100%. ones are cool. They're I'm basic. It, the blue isn't even our blue. Yeah, the blue is weird. <laughs> I don't understand. And they the, went with like some tie dye yeah, thing. I don't like See, the blue, but I like the white. The white is clean. I would wear the blue over the white. I would wear the blue over the white. I don't really like the collar on the white, but I think the white's pretty clean. To I just be honest. would not spend money on that. And white like, jersey. yeah, I don't like, like whatever that. this is. I don't like that. The blue accent coming off the front. Like, I just don't like it. Like, 2018 was clean. That was nice. 2018 was a dope-looking jersey. Yeah, I like that. I was okay with See, 2018. I don't, I don't like those I, as I like much. The, I actually like the ones last year, how both the men's and women's had very similar jerseys. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like diagonal I, red and blue. From the ones you're, you're scrolling through right now, I think the whites are the best ones I've seen. The whites are just... Well, well, also, the issue... It looks like they're backwards a little bit. <laughs> okay. Right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, first like, off, if the that crest... was on the back, yeah. I wouldn't have an issue with it, right? In theory, the crest is placed great, but if, say, they were to, you know, win the World Cup and get another crest, it would be off-center. But that's the thing is, like, this, every country's jersey is like this. Like, the crest... Like, there's nowhere... It's going to look so awkward... For whoever wins the World Cup. The crest dead center is just... It's too high. I don't like it. Yeah. I, it needs to be off to the... That's on the what chest. it is. The neckline is too high. That would bother me so much as a player to have that high of a neckline. Why is it so high? I Might as well be a... Turn. I don't know. It's just usually I'm very stoked about the World Cup kits. And this year, I feel like it's a disappointment. They're just basic. They're just basic and like well, the blue's not <laughs> like one of them super basic. The one of them's like the the, even the complete blue tie dye. Opposite. Even the blue tie dye to me is basic. It's like did somebody go into their garage and tie dye that t shirt? Like and why are we using DIY? blue that's not blue American blue? Yeah. <laughs> but even then, I still I like the tie dye one better, and I would rock it if someone gave it to me for free. Like I'm more, but I'm, I'm more, buy it. I'm more stoked about the concept of the World Cup jersey than the actual World Cup jersey. Yeah, you know what I like <laughs> is how they incorporated the stars on that one. Yeah. It's like a very throwbacky to like the the '90s blue jean star jersey that everybody hated, but now it's like everybody's collecting it. So maybe it's going to be one of those where in like 20 years people look back and rock it because it's vintage. Maybe <laughs> I Trash I just vintage. I feel wholly let down by the USA kits this year. Jack seems to like the white one. I think they're clean. I think he's gonna grab himself one before the Qatar. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but when we come back, we're going to look at the NFL as a whole. We've talked Texans. We've talked Cowboys. What about the rest of the NFL? How should you feel about your team after week one? We'll discuss coming up next here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, the Saturday Morning Hangover. Good morning and welcome into the second hour of the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, to start off the second hour of the show, luckily, we've got some breaking news. This is breaking news from San Antonio Sports Star. Jack? All right, so per 247 Sports, sources tell that barring an injury setback and warm-ups, UT backup quarterback Hudson Card is set to start today against UTSA. All right, big news. Hudson Card getting the start for the Longhorns against UTSA. And judging by the way he was limping around the field against Alabama, and I think we all saw that. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought it was a high ankle sprain with the the amount of pressure he had or the amount of trouble he had putting pressure on it, just walking around the game. Maybe it was just a tweaked ankle that kind of swelled up on him. He got treatment throughout the week, stem, and it has progressively gotten better. My, my question is, is it wise to throw him in to a preseason game like UTSA? Uh, Why push it? I think... I know it's an ego thing. Cause well, it's, I don't know if it's an ego thing so much as it is, A, it's respect for UTSA. It shows they are legitimately concerned about this game coming up in Austin tonight that will be on the Longhorn Network at 7 o'clock. But UTSA is a tough opponent, and, and Texas is treating them as such. Yeah, but even even though they're a tough opponent, like at the end of the day, it's in season that matters. Sure, conference holds a a larger importance, but every game in college football matters. Yeah, college football, brain. especially if you have any sort of playoff aspirations, you dro- like Texas, you drop a game to number one Alabama and run the table the rest of the way, you've got probably a legit shot to make the Final Four. Yeah. And, I mean, this is also a Hudson card. This is a guy who sees the writing on the wall. I mean, this it's is yours. his You've last year. You've got Arch year. coming to town. This is his last year at UT. He's got to make a name for himself playing while he can so he can transfer to another school mm-hmm. and get a starting spot. So I, I completely understand it. I mean, if you can go, go. Go play. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're facing a tough opponent this week. UTSA is coming in hot. Mm-hmm. They want this win bad. They're going to play as tough a game as they've ever played so i mean and utsa's deal or ut's dealing with a bunch of other you know injuries across the the board Mm -hmm. so having your quarterback in there fighting off an injury that'll kind of vamp up the guys i think it's it's a good move if he struggles should they have a quick hook on him yeah oh yeah i mean if he struggles and it's 
you can tell it's, it's because the of the ankle. ankle. Yeah. yeah, you pull him. Not if he struggles. Like, yeah, he, because he's just he's, not getting it done. I mean, yeah, maybe a longer leash, but if you can tell it's the ankle that's hindering him. If he yeah. looks like he did against Alabama in that game yeah, where you, he's you just limping. Mm-hmm. You pull him because he's doing nobody any good at that point. Playing through injury, commended, but not always the best thing for the team mm-hmm. even though you may be the best option yeah at some point there you're more of a hindrance than a help right mm-hmm. and yeah and sometimes it causes long-term injury yes it could just be a simple take a break and it'll work itself out in a week and if you're looking to hit that portal and make a name for yourself i mean yours is likely missing four to Four to six weeks. Yeah, he's got a, at least three more weeks. He's after got an this SC one. joint sprain. I sprained my AC joint. So it was, I don't know if it was a sprain or a break or what. I think it was a break that started to heal on its own because I kept ignoring it and playing through it. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Every morning you wake up, you try and rotate it, and then you start hearing the tearing in your, in your shoulder, and you're like, ah. That's Scar what happened tissue. With, that's what happened with my ankle. I turned it too many times and then I sprained it and kept playing on it and then it turned into like tears <laughs> and then it eventually it eventually stopped it kind of just stopped hurting after a while it was weird the good news is for Hudson Card he is not that much of a running threat so yeah. it, it, like he is a pocket quarterback he is going to try and, and there are win weapons. from the pocket there are weapons for him to get the ball at too early too Xavier Worthy Jordan Whittington Sanders like yeah. they've got the weapons on offense plus I don't know if Bijan's gonna play or not but even if he doesn't Roshan Johnson Killian like they've got a stable of backs as well that he can also lean on heavily if needed and I think if you're if you're trying to escape this UTSA game, I think you lean on the run game this week. Yeah, whether Bijan's there or not, you don't want Hudson Card throwing the ball forty times. No, there are a few college teams that want that. I mean, two probably Mississippi State does. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey. No, it's just Mike Leach's offense. Yeah, like he, he, he gonna, would much rather throw it 50 <laughs> times than run it 20. He's going to throw the ball. <laughs> that's just. Got to work with what you got, okay, guys? That's who Mike Leach is as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I believe him, and I also believe that Washington State is in a similar boat. And You get Eric Morris as the new oh. head coach up there. They bring Camel Ward along with him from UIW. By the way, props to Washington State. Knocked off uh, Wisconsin mm-hmm. last week. They are uh, Wisconsin's ranked 19th now after that loss. Washington State doing some things. And speaking of Washington State and the UIW com- connection with Eric Morris and Cam Ward, my goodness, UIW, despite losing a, a, an all-conference winning quarterback and an all-conference head coach in Eric Morris, G.J. Kinney is picked up and ran with that program. Yeah. They're 2-0. and They just beat Nevada last week. And the offense is, it feels like they didn't lose either Cam Ward (laughs) or Eric Moore's the way they're going. G.J. Kinney has that offense going uh, lively. I was going to say, I mean, you're talking about quarterbacks in Lindsey Scott. Yeah, Lindsey Scott. Moly, guys, he he literally did a front flip into the end zone versus Southern <laughs> Illinois, and after that, I was a fan, huge I, fan. He's just 
He's covering a lot of ground. He gets touchdowns. I mean, multiple touchdowns per game. Like Throws for 400 yards. I think game one, he had six touchdowns. This, uh, game two against Nevada, he threw for four more. Like, yeah, 400 yards, four touchdowns, 400 yards, six touchdowns. Like, come on. There is no city in America that has a better that's having better college football than San Antonio right now. South Texas in general, right? Well, like, South Texas UT in general, Austin. but San Antonio to your Between point. Trinity, UTSA, UTSA, and UIW, there is not a city that is doing better with their college football programs than San Antonio. And you can argue UTSA should be 2-0. Yeah, like, they, no, should they should not should have be. lost that. And by the way, I don't know if this is just me. Did they change these rules after the A&M LSU game a few years back? Because I don't remember... Overtime, overtime, just going for two. Yeah, it used to be there was... You just kept... You went for two, but you still had to, like... Like, after you scored, you would have to go for two. That used to be the rule, right? Yeah, they changed it. I'm pretty sure it was after that. And that used to be in the fourth overtime, not the third. Yeah. They actually changed it in college soccer, too. There's no overtime. I don't... I don't like it. I hate it. I don't... I'm not a fan. Like I enjoy like the greatest one of the greatest games I watched in recent memory was that A&M LSU game because of just the craziness that mm-hmm. ensued because of it. Like it was just I was watching it at the Rupub, like the entire bar was going nuts with every score. Rupub is an Aggie bar. Like that that was just it was such an awesome environment to watch that kind of game. And then I'm watching that uh, UTSA-Houston game in week one, and they just start going for two only. Yeah, and in the third overtime. It time, yeah. threw me, and I was like, I, I, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. <laughs> and I feel like if it would have been regular overtime rules, UTSA would have won that game. Yeah, it's just a... A weird play call at the end. Somebody in the back office was probably just like, we ain't got time for this. We ain't got time for <laughs> I mean, 500 yeah. overtimes. Like, we got to go to bed. I get, like, By the that player third safety. overtime, it had already been, like, a four-and-a-half-hour game. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing with UTSA. They're not going to grind the clock out. Those games are going to last for a hot minute. <laughs> he is Jack Thompson. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. You're locked into the Saturday Morning Hangover. When we come back, we're going to talk a little fantasy football. Week one is done. Where are you? We'll answer your questions. Feel free to call in on the Kielbasa Bacon phone line, 656-ESPN, 656-3776. A little fantasy football talk next from a couple of champs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jack Thompson and myself, and we'll help Katie. turn. We're going to turn Katie into a fantasy football god, much like ourselves. That's all coming up next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover. San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. The home plate for Texas Rangers. And the Rangers walk it off at home. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250. A little logic to get you going this morning. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson, Katie Goodman. You can follow us on Twitter. She is at I am Katie Goodman. He is at Jack underscore Thompson 33. I am at I am Pledger. We were talking during the break, and I brought up the fact that I got the greatest kickoff present that I could ever ask for for an NFL Sunday as I was at the Rupub, and there happened to be a kangaroo at the bar, a baby kangaroo, a joey. 
and it was incredible. I love kangaroos so much. They make my heart happy. Cutest thing. I just wanted to like hold it and pet it and coddle it we through did. the phone. We 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 got to hold it. We got to feed it. Like he was there the entire Texans game we were watching, and it, I mean the owner was really cool. The kangaroo itself was freaking amazing. Yeah, so it's so soft. I'm assuming that's legal, right? I don't <laughs> care if it is or not. It was awesome, and <laughs> he, it was the only way. Happy. I want to Did he seem like he was in a good headspace? He was in okay. a great headspace. Good. He was happy. He was getting fed the entire time he was there, and he was telling me all about it. And it, it just makes me want a kangaroo so bad. Right. Me too. And you know, growing up, I actually had a crocodile. Wait. Yeah. What? I had a crocodile. A crocodile. Yeah. A crocodile. So, okay, so here's the story. My brother gets it from a quote unquote pet shop, who knows where, but comes <laughs> I don't home think with you this. can buy a crocodile at a pet shop. I, I don't think so either, but we don't ask questions in my household because we're <laughs> weird. So my dad grew up in Mobile, Alabama, and he would bring alligators so home he's from the a swamp different breed. and throw them in the in the bathtub and the my grandmother would come in and be like, What the hell? Well, yeah. What if I'm about to like get in the bath and all of a sudden there's a crocodile there? Yeah. Or alligator, I guess. Yeah. So naturally, when my brother brings home a crocodile, my dad's like, heck yeah, we'll keep it. So he lived in a tank. He ate um, he ate rats and stuff. He started out a little less than a foot. And by the end, we had him for like, what, four or five years. He got to like two and a half feet. And we moved him to the backyard and he stayed in a pond with the ferret harness. And he hung out in the water. I had a Jack Russell at the time. She would, like, jump in the pond with him. What? And then jump out. Yeah, like, they, like, coexisted. He didn't eat the dog? He was afraid of the dog. The dog would have ate him. She's a little, she's ferocious. I don't think that's how that would have been. No, I don't think she, that's how that would have went either. Hold up. My Jack Russell is not a crocodile. She can fight raccoon, raccoons. <laughs> are, are we talking skunks? about? A raccoon yeah. is not a no. crocodile. I'm talking about a three-and-a-half-foot crocodile. He's real skinny. I'm talking about the, the the dog you have currently, right? No, not the dog oh, okay. I have currently. No, she's she's a little diva. She okay. would never okay. even think. This is a different yeah, dog. No, this okay. is a very, very different personality of a dog. <laughs> this dog will, like, fight anybody, anywhere, anytime, including a crocodile. Anyway, they coexisted. They were fine, and eventually he did uh, pass away, and so that was The dog or the crocodile? The, well, both, but okay. the, the crocodile first. Um, I thought those yeah. things just never died. Um, I thought they just lived forever. Yeah, I well, this is the story. I don't know. I didn't personally experience it, but the story is that he got out of the pond, and we had a bunch of banana trees around the pond, so it would be shady. And apparently, he got in and coiled himself up and did his little death spiral and choked himself. This sounds terrible, I know, but like, yeah, he he apparently ended up. At least that's a story. It could it could be different because you know we did have. A lot of little kids running around as well at the time. And again, my dad's so very Alabama. So who knows what happened? Yeah, this is. This is. What, what is it? What's the <laughs> weirdest pet you've ever had, Jack? A chinchilla. Oh, those are cute. I love chinchillas. My good God. Yeah. <laughs> I had two, we had two chinchillas at one point. That's really? Not a flying yeah. squirrel. That's a crazy animal, Did you make man. a jacket out of it or something? <laughs> they're really little. They're like only like this big. Yeah, they're like little. Little puffball. Yeah. It's the, that is the single most athletic animal I've ever seen. 
<laughs> like my buddy has a sugar glider. Yeah, I had a flying squirrel. I actually had two in my lifetime. They live about eight years each. This is so random. I'm such a weirdo. One time now. when we were living in, judge me. in Florida, we found a tortoise. And I just like kept it. A huge tortoise. No, it was probably like this big. But it I would love solid sized tortoise, and we just let it roam the backyard. <laughs> I would love a tortoise. They're so cool. They're so but we had a sports too. court, like basketball court, and his little little closet always gets stuck in them, so I'd oh. have to go and like What's the uh, chinchilla tortoise? I've also had an alligator <sighs> snapping turtle that I found. Crocodile flying squirrel. Like you're like, is there anything else we need does to know it, about? Does it get weirder? <laughs> no. Hey man, been weird from day one. Proud, <laughs> weird and proud. <laughs> I'm trying to think if my friends had any weird pets, like they had chameleons and ferrets and stuff like that. Yeah, I've always wanted a a pygmy marmoset. A what? It's one of those Specific? little tiny monkeys. Oh, little finger monkeys. Oh. Wow. They're so cute. Oh, tiny. that would be so cute. I know, a tiny little monkey just chilling on your shoulder. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, my God. I'd be so afraid to, like, hurt him because they're so tiny. They're so little. So delicate. I have all of these questions. Dude, I've always wanted a monkey. You can ask my parents. I've always wanted a monkey until I found out they're horrendous. Yeah. Like, they are not meant well, to be Well, there are certain monkeys that you can keep domestically, but you don't get a chimpanzee or an orangutan like that's gonna eat your face yeah it's gonna rip your body in half it's like why would you that's eventually that's gonna be a huge animal yeah apparently (laughs) i just like body slam apparently i've i have a death wish because outside of like a kangaroo which i really 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 want i wouldn't also mind having like either a wolf or like a jaguar or something like that i mean that would be cool huge cat do get the, what are those huge domestic cats called? Oh, my friend just oh, got one you're that talking kind of looks like it's a it's a domestic cat, but it looks like a jaguar. But it's yeah, tiny. those are so cool. Yeah, she just got it. It's really pretty. Um, I follow this account that has lions, yeah. jaguars, all of them, and I don't know how he trains them to like not eat him. <laughs> That would like, be my greatest concern. I, I honestly don't want to know. Like, I feel like they just should not be. I got to, to go to a wolf sanctuary when I went to Colorado one year. And, oh, my God, it made me want a wolf, like, in the worst way. I feel like that's been my where my craving comes from when wanting a husky. is like that's the closest thing to a wolf. Oh, fun fact. It gets weirder. My mom, <laughs> my mom grew up in Alaska weirder? and had sled dogs. And a couple of them were wolves. Fact. <laughs> So, anyways, just thought I'd add to the weirdness. Mm, it's called, it's a savanna cat. They okay. look like little cheetahs. Little cheetahs. They're pretty awesome. They get as big as, like, a dog. Really? Whoa. Okay, my friend doesn't have that cat. She just has, look. like, a normal cat. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Yeah. Yes, I want that, whatever oh, that I've is. I've seen that. I have seen that on, on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, it's like a domestic cheetah the yeah, size like of a, a dog yeah super cool whatever that is yeah yes, look I at the that. face they're pretty awesome what's it what's it called again savannah savannah google if you're listening google savannah cat yeah savannah cat looks 
so dope. Yeah. And oh, I yeah. am 100% in for that. <laughs> you know, I'm highly allergic to cats. Really? I am highly allergic, but I love them. I, I love their personality and everything about them. But gosh, I like die immediately. Gosh. Just from the allergies? Yeah. Like this weekend, I stayed at my friend's house and both of my eyes were swollen shut. I had to take pictures. It was so bad. Really? Yeah. I looked that like bad. I either got beat up or was on drugs or something. Like my eyes were so bad. I could barely breathe. But if, it's probably a good thing because I'd probably be a cat lady considering my animal habits. So <laughs> That's a good point. Your animal habits have you in a very peculiar situation. <laughs> it's like you're in a weird category and we're just going to leave you there. Uh, she is Katie Goodman. He is Jack Thompson. I swear we'll talk some fancy football when we come back right here on the Saturday morning <laughs> hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. This is Joe Reinagle. Drive home with Jason Minix and I each weekday afternoon, 4 to 7, on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.1 FM. Ghostland Observatory to get you going this morning. Welcome back into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star 941 FM AM 1250. Jack Thompson, Katie Goodman, James Pledger getting you through your Saturday morning, getting you ready for an incredible football weekend. And what is a football weekend without some fantasy football? That's right. We've got your questions answered. So whatever you're looking for, give us a call. Feel free. 656-ESPN, 656-3776. I'm James Pudger. He's Jack Thompson, Katie Goodman. We will get you through it. Feel free to call with any of your fantasy questions. Look, I went 7-1 last week. 4-1 for me. (laughs) Nice. You were shocked by the amount of leagues I was in. Dude, 8? I mean, I'm in 5 and it's a lot. 8, that is, that's a lot. That's a lot. And nobody loves building teams more than I do. (laughs) If you love building teams, I will say this. Do you have a dynasty league? Yes. You do? Yes. That is the ultimate team. Between that and my, for the first time ever, uh, Jimenez talked me into joining an auction league with him. Yeah, I've never done that. That is fun. Like the draft of an auction league is so much fun. What you do is you get. Basically $200 to start at the draft to disperse however you feel. like. So you could spend all your money on a couple of really, really, really good guys and outbid everybody, or you can build your roster with a bunch of of middle-of-the-row guys and spend your money kind of equally across the board. It's a lot of fun, and now that I've done one and built a team, I kind of have a better idea of how to kind of spend my money next year. It's a lot of fun. If if you're a team building type pl- person, like I took over a really bad team in a dynasty league. So, speaking of team building, I am kind of gutting what this team was and trying to make it my own. And so I'm just shipping off players, acquiring draft picks and other, you know, high ceiling type players because mm-hmm. it's not about this year, it's about the future and building a team that can compete every year moving forward after just like the Spurs. Exactly. <laughs> I, I am on Team Tank. I am the captain of Team Tank in my Dynasty League. <laughs> We're going down. Uh, but, yeah, it's a ton of fun. And, of course, I'm in, uh, I guess, eight leagues. So six regular six leagues. Redraft. Jeez, I can barely keep tabs on my one. <laughs> I saw that. 
Um, my dynasty's like, yeah. My dynasty's probably looking like my my worst team. It's been so good for a while because I've had Dak and Aaron Rodgers, and then I've had Zeke and Devontae Adams. But man, that's your dynasty. Yeah, that's a that's a rough start to a dynasty. Yeah, then my. But I will say this. Aaron Rodgers looked awful week one last year, too. No, yeah. He did not have Alan Lazard, who was his presumptive number one last week. Luckily, I, I also have Derek Carr to supplement my Dak Prescott loss. Okay. but Is this a two-quarterback league? Is that It's why? a super flex. Okay. So you, you can flex a quarterback into your flex? Mm-hmm. That's pretty dope. Yeah, it's fun. We used to do defensive players, too, which I liked, but no one else in the league really liked it. Like you would pick like six yeah, defensive yeah, yeah. guys, to where you're you're trying to get sacks, picks, mm-hmm. and tackles. So you're trying to get a corner like Trayvon Diggs, who's obviously going to have a lot of interceptions. But now we just do defense and special teams. There are some injuries already. So if you have a Dak Prescott, I have him in two leagues. Keep an eye on Carson Wentz. I have. I've already picked up Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is a good add. If you're dealing with an injury at the quarterback position yeah. already. I've already picked up Carson Wentz and Kirk Cousins in that league. Jeff Harrison Wilson Jr. is... Huh? I have Harrison Butker who got injured. Yeah. So. I also had him, yeah. I had him too. I had to pick him uh, pick up... I, be- I believe I actually picked up Dustin Hopkins, the Chargers kicker for that game. Um, but if you're dealing with a, a Harrison Butker injury, obviously Hopkins is going to be a little late. But... Guys like Siebert, the Lions kicker, I think would be a good option right now. Um, other kickers that may be on the market. Uh, suck up of the Buccaneers wouldn't be a bad option. Jeff How does Wilson. Ezekiel Elliott. Last I heard, he was pretty overrated, right? I don't think nah, he's, he's overrated. overrated. I think he's underutilized. Mm. Yeah, but I, he's not overrated now. The great. The great thing about Ezekiel Elliott owners, and this is going to be good for you moving forward, with Dak Prescott out and Cooper Rush in, should be a heavy dose. I think they're going to be more committed to running the football. And and the great news is last week, Zeke averaged five point two yards a carry. He just didn't get enough carries. So if you're looking at moving forward, I think they're going to be more committed to the run, which is going to be good news for Ezekiel Elliott owners, and especially if the Cowboys want to win football games moving forward, whether it's this week against the Bengals, against the Commanders and Giants over the next couple of weeks. like Zeke is going to be a big part of that. Zeke has to get going if the Cowboys are going to be competitive over these next four weeks while Dak is out. Yeah, yeah. utilize oh, that yeah. running game. So Zeke owners... Feel very, very confident moving forward. Don't be scared to play him. I think this will help emphasize the fact that the Cowboys need to be more committed to the run. You you know who also looked good for the Cowboys? Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith Bro, looked really good. You see him stand up Vita Vea mm-hmm. straight one-on-one? That was impressive. You got Tyler Smith, uh, also Dalton Schultz, mm-hmm. if you're looking for a tight end to pick up. Okay, dealing you- with a, a George Kittle. He's such a question mark mm-hmm. and so if you're looking to replace him because he's going to be you know kind of in that in that three o'clock time slot this weekend would i got you've got two kind of tight ends to keep an eye on that could be available because 
if Kittle's out, you're going to have to scramble for 325 and Monday night and stuff like that. O.J. Howard of the Houston Texans mm-hmm. scored two touchdowns last week with less than 10 days in the building. So he's going to be more comfortable with the offense, a little bit further versed. He's probably going to get a bigger workload this week. Or Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys. I both doubt of, you could go get Dalton Schultz. Both of those are 325 kicks. He's available in a couple of my leagues. Like A couple of my leagues have very, very skinny benches. Gotcha. So yeah. it, it really emphasized, because I wanted to pick up Jeff Wilson, but I didn't want to drop anybody because... I would have had to have dropped somebody very prevalent to do so, mm-hmm. uh, and it just wasn't worth it for me. So if you're in one of those skinny bench leagues, Dalton Schultz is available, I guarantee you. For and my flex this week. Who's, which, your, who's, your, who's your flex? Right now I have Christian Kirkin, but okay. on my bench I have CeeDee Lamb and Curtis Samuel. Who would you play there? I think Kenny Moore. Kenny, Kenny Moore, Curtis Samuel, and who? C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb. Christian Kirk's going to go up against Indy. He's supposed to draw Kenny Moore, but Kenny Moore is questionable with a hip injury. Okay. C.D. Lamb, I mean, could you know have a bunch of targets and uh, yeah, have a he great got game. eleven targets last week, so that's not a bad thing. I also have Josh Jacobs, but I have a- and AJ Dillon, but he's in my RB two. Over Jacobs. Alright. So give me your flex options one more time. So Christian Kirk, uh huh, CD Lamb, or Curtis Samuel. Christian Kirk or Josh. CeeDee Lamb, Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel acquitted himself well. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But I will say this. Christian Kirk may be the play. Yeah, that's how I have starting right he, now. He is A. Coming off a hundred yard game, mm-hmm. he also got eleven or he got twelve. He got targets. twelve targets, and they paid for him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he is there. Do- him and don't be afraid of Zay Jones I either. I have him in a, another league as a Zay liar. Jones got like nine targets. Yeah, last he week. had a good he had a good game, and he had a solid game. Mm-hmm. So uh, don't be afraid of either Zay Jones or Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk looks like he's going to be the number one there. Uh, I wouldn't be mad at starting Curtis Samuel either. Curtis Samuel got a lot of targets. Carson Wentz and him had a really good rapport week one, and he finished with, I believe, 65 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Well, right now I have Kirk in, so it'll probably stay that way. I would stay with Christian Kirk if you're looking to put him in. Another guy I would look at, uh, I don't know how many people have this option, but if you have Cordell Patterson... And he is not your starting running back. Start him. Start him or flex him. One of the two. He needs to be in your lineup. It was a question if Tyler Algier was going to cut into his workload at all after last year. He did not. He got 22 touches last week against the Saints. And I do believe him and Marcus Mario, he is their most competent back. So if you have a Cordell Patterson, start him. Start him, start him. I don't care if it's a flex or a running back. He is going to put up RB1 numbers, and it's going to be insane. All right. Another another flex question for yes. you. So this is kind of two flex spots in this one. Right now I'm playing Antonio Gibson and Daryl Henderson. Yes. But on my bench, 
again, I have Kirk and keep, Samuel. Keep Antonio Gibson in the starting lineup. Yeah. Gibson's get the number one back there. He played really well in week one. He until Brian Robinson gets back. Now I have him on my start, on my bench. Start Gibson. You have Samuel and who on your bench? Uh, Kirk. Now, I also have Pittman, who I would play, but he's questionable. So I don't know if I'm going to play him. That's going to be a noon kick. If yeah. Pittman's available, play him. Yeah. Him and Matt Ryan got things going last yeah, week. Yeah, absolutely. If he's not, Kirk. Like, Kirk, like Kirk I said, over Daryl Henderson. Over Daryl Henderson. Okay. Uh, because I do eventually think that Sean McVay is going to start having more of a even timeshare between him and Cam Akers. Yeah. Obviously, things went wrong in Week One very quickly for them, and. Daryl Henderson's probably the better pass protector, which led to him getting more of a of a rep share than did mm-hmm. Cam Akers. But dude, twelve targets, twelve target. That when you look at fantasy football, targets are everything for mm-hmm. receivers because yeah. it tells you where the ball is going. Like I'm not scared of Ceedee Lamb, despite his bad performance in Week One, because of his eleven targets. That means they are actively trying to get him the football. I think James needs to be a fantasy football consultant <laughs> and uh, start a business because you think very in-depth analysis, James. Goddard or Zacherts at tight end? I'm going to lean right now with Goddard. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good question. But I just, I think Goddard's more heavily used than is a Zacherts. Zacherts is going to be very touchdown dependent but, in a way. Um, they don't really have anyone to throw to over there besides Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown and um, Rondell Moore's hurt right now. Hurts had a better happens. week one. He did, but I'm looking at the matchup against Minnesota. Only four targets, though. I'm looking at the matchup against Minnesota, and of course, Goddard is Jalen Hurts' kind of best friend. I know he's... He was. He still is. Now I think AJ Brown. Is. Well, AJ Brown's going to be the target monster, obviously, but Goddard's going to be his safety net. Goddard is is definitely there's a rapport already there, and I, I Cliff Kingsbury's offense just isn't very tight and conducive, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And Kyler Murray's not very big on utilizing his tight ends because he's always looking for the home run. He's trying to push the ball down the field. And a tight end is a lot of the times a safety net for quarterbacks. All right. I, I would lean Goddard. Yeah, yeah. I've got it starting. Waddle or Deontay Johnson? That is a very good question. I look, Deontay Johnson had a fantastic week one. Yeah, twelve targets. He is a target monster. He is the number one option in Pittsburgh. I always go with number ones because as much as I love Jalen Waddle, he's the number two. Mm-hmm. He's and the number two five option. Five targets compared to 12. Exactly. So I'm going to go with the guy who's going to get the, the looks. And Deontay Johnson is that guy. As much as I love Jalen Waddle, as much as I love the, the upside that he gives to you, I always lean with the guy that's going to be the number one option. If you have a number one option versus a number two, I will always take the number one option over a guy that you're basically hoping hits a touchdown or a hundred yards. It's another team that I have Pittman on my bench right now. 
and just trying to just trying to wait it out, wait out and see where if he's going to be available. Yeah, he is Jack Thompson. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. You're locked into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star. We're gonna come back and put a bow on the show next right here on the Saturday morning hangover. The latest NBA, NFL, and MLB news, plus the latest podcast and more. Be in the know at sasportsstar.com. Welcome back into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 12:50. James Pledger, Katie Goodman, Jack Thompson, about to say peace out on this Saturday morning. What y'all got planned this weekend? Oh man, I've got a packed weekend. Yeah. Yep. Right after this, I'm going to San Marcos to call a Texas State soccer game. Then I'm going to go to an Austin FC versus Nashville home game right ESPN after that Plus. tonight. Yep, ESPN Plus for the Texas State soccer game. Then tomorrow I'm going to Kickoff is? Uh, that's at noon. Okay. <laughs> I had to think about it. Yeah. It's at noon. And then tomorrow I'm calling a UIW women's soccer game also at, at 1 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Coaching this weekend, Jack? Yep, got a tournament Sunday, but besides that, just a whole lot of football. Tournament on Sunday? No. Lordy. God, that's brutal. When do you fly out for uh, New York? Next Saturday. Next Saturday. After the show? Yeah. Nice. You're there for? Uh, Till the 27th. Nice. So, unlike Vegas, there is no cap on a time in New York. Make sure you go to Lombardi's. Yeah. Get pizza at Lombardi's. It's the first ever pizza place in America. I guarantee you. You won't be disappointed. Guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Morning Hangover.